Listen, it's time for the Word of God. I'm excited to share the Word of God with you today. I'm going to be going in a direction that you... Don't throw me away until you hear the whole message. Please. All right? But I'm going to show you what the shift really is, what the paradigm shift is, what we've been talking about. And I'm going to end today by showing you the importance of doing God's business. And I'm not going to shy away from that word business. I'm going to amplify that word business. Let me show you why it's so important. I want to begin today, this is part four, talking to you about something that's called yokes and equity. And this will make sense because sometimes when people read the Old Testament, they take it so literally that they don't understand that God is actually teaching principles through practices. So he's not focused so much on the practice as he is on the principle that he wants you to learn. So today when somebody would say, well, you know, I thought we weren't supposed to wear a garment with cotton and linen. That's the practice. But the practice is really designed to teach a principle. And the principle is what is enduring. And that's what God wants us to get a hold of. So I want to show you the principle of yoking. This is when we tie two things together for a specific purpose. To do that well, I want to show you a scripture. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 22. This is in that second giving of the law when Moses uh, speaks to the children of Israel. And he tells them, listen to this, here's the practice, but remember, it's really the principle that we want. So none of us in here own a donkey, I'm sure. And none of us have a, an oxen. So it's the principle that God wants you to get. He says, thou shalt not plow an ox with a donkey or an ass together. Don't tie them together because one is going to frustrate the other. The oxen is designed to do something and the donkey is designed to do something. But when you put them together to do something that has commonality, they're going to frustrate each other and ultimately potentially end up hurting each other. So let's talk about the principle of yoking. By show of hands, how many people have heard this scripture? Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. You've heard that, right? Even at home. And in most cases, when we say that, we're talking about don't get married to someone who's not saved. That's as far as, as, far as it goes. Or don't hang out with your unsafe friends. But that's not really what God is teaching us. Because if that was really what he was teaching us, not to hang out with unbelievers, many of us would have to quit our jobs. and move away from some of our family members, etc., etc. So it's a principle that God is teaching. So let me show you what I mean by the principle. Watch. The principle of yoking or joining two light things together, what it does is it emphasizes the importance of equality. So when you're going to accomplish something, everyone needs to be on the same page. So some people can't be going right and others going left and we get to our destination. Everyone has to be on the same page. This is what the principle is designed to ensure. Number one, that there is commonality. So you will take an ox and an ox. There's commonality. Number two, there's equity. In other words, the practice will be fair in its execution. It's fair to the oxen and it's fair to the other oxen. It's unfair to the donkey because he's not designed to plow. So equity is at the heart 
of yoking. Number three, it's also designed to ensure that we minimize, in fact, eliminate frustration. And isn't that what we want when we try to do anything in life? We want to do things with as little frustration as possible. That's the purpose of the principle. Now, let me show you other scriptures where the principle is actually used. Deuteronomy 29, verse 9. The Lord says, don't mix the seeds in your vineyard. Don't put an apple seed there and an orange seed in the same plot and expect there to be growth. Because if there is no commonality, there's no equity, there'll be no growth. That's very, very important. Number two, this is one we quoted, Deuteronomy 22.10. Don't yoke unlike things together when it comes to getting things done or labor. Number three, Deuteronomy 22.11, he says, don't mix the garments. Don't put a cotton with a linen because garments are designed for covering. When you take unlike things, you will not be covered properly. When you think you're covered, you're going to be frustrated. Number four, Amos talks about Two cannot walk together except they agree. So again, if you put two unlike people together and say this is the direction, you're probably not going to get agreement. They spend all day talking about, no, we need to go north, no, we need to go south. So to minimize frustration in the area of agreement, you need to walk with people who agree. I want you to understand that. This is the scripture that we quote all the time, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says that we should be not unequally yoked with unbelievers because the idea there is that of relationship or fellowship. If you put two unlike people together, they're going to have some difficulties when it comes to fellowship or relationship. This is the principle. Commonality, equity, fairness, and the minimizing of frustration. All right, let's go a little further. We do this in the body of Christ that I see all the time. And I say to the people, when you think about it, even though we've been taught it, it isn't a good practice. So we'll take um, two people, for instance, and we'll give them the same assignment, whatever the assignment is. We'll hire one person, and then we'll tell the other person, well, you need to volunteer your time. What we've done there is we have created inequality of yoke. And so this is what we find in the body of Christ all the time. The frustration levels build, there's a lack of commonality, and there's a lack of equity because people are doing the same thing. Someone is getting rewarded, at least temporarily, and someone is not. This is what happens when you do that. You unequally yoke people in the area of commitment. Now, I'm really speaking within the confines of the Christian community. Because what you will see there is that we put people together and we expect them to get something done, but one person can be more committed than the other person. Simply because they've got the time to be committed. But you expect the same results from both people. So now what we're doing is, remember I told you at the beginning of the presentation, what we're doing is we're breaking laws. We're going against principles Now, I'm going to tell you why we break laws in the body of Christ. I'll tell you that in a moment. But what we're doing is we're breaking laws and expecting to be crowned. I just want you to follow me for just a moment. And and people who don't understand this won't even know why they're frustrated. So watch. Not only are they not equally invested, because they can't be, but the one person who is not committed has the two-master syndrome. 
I said to someone one time when I was thinking about something, I said, how many bosses do you really want? Truth of the matter is most of us struggle with the one that we have. So think about it like this. Let's say you work in the ministry and then you work outside or you serve in the ministry, work outside. Now you have multiple bosses. You've got one on Monday, another one on Sunday. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where you've got multiple masters and you're trying to decide which one you should be loyal to. And guess what the Lord says? You cannot serve two masters. Stay with me for a moment. It'll make sense in a moment. It won't be as boring as you think it is. Number two, we unequally yoke people when it comes to chronos or time. The person who is compensated by the ministry has more time to get the job done. The person who is not has less time, but you still expect the same results from both people. And again, there is an inequity that's done. One of the commitments I've made with my staff that work in my office is I said, after five o'clock, this will shock you. I said, no more emails will come from me. You're not getting an email from me on Saturday or Sunday because I'm not going to pretend like you don't have a life. Nor am I going to pretend like God is in heaven. It's an emergency. Because what we end up doing is we end up actually consuming all of people's time in the name of God. And then we wonder why people in the, in the can I say, in the body of Christ appear as if they really don't have a life. Because either they're working outside or they're working inside. I'm going to tell you in a minute what the church sells as our chief product, and you're going to find it interesting. Number three, which is the one that believers don't want to talk about? But can I help you? The disciples spoke to Jesus about compensation. The saints pretend like, ooh, I don't want to talk about that because I love the Lord. I don't want to talk about him paying me. Peter looked at Jesus one day and said, hey, can we have a conversation here? We have left everything to follow you. What's in it for? Did you know that Jesus didn't rebuke him? He said, in this life, houses, lands, brethren, persecution, and in the life to come, eternal life. Because God does not forget the principle of reward, both in time and in eternity. But again, we unequally yoke people. One person's getting compensated. The other one's not getting compensated. And as such, there is inequity that is being done there. I'm only teaching this because I'm, I want to prove a point as to where we need to go. If we're going to get optimal results from God's people, then we must be equally yoked together in the plowing of ministry. Equally. Now, this is a huge challenge for the body of Christ. I'm going to show you how we can solve this in just a minute. Equally. Can I make a bold statement? Bold. I need everybody just to pause for a second. There is nowhere in the Bible, though we're doing it and other ministries are doing it, there is nowhere in the Bible where God asks you to volunteer your time in his service. Now, you can email me back when you find it. It'll be a long time before you send that email. But there's nowhere in the word of God where God tells you, I need you to volunteer your time to do my work. Because God is much smarter than that. Don't let people who don't know God appear to be smarter than God. 
Did you hear what I just said? Someone wants to sell hot dogs, but they will not ask you to volunteer your time to work at the hot dog stand. We're working people's lifestyle, destiny, ultimate future. And we think God would have us volunteer our time. The model is not correct. The model is wrong. Now I need all the intercessors praying for me because all of hell is rising up now to kill me. Because I'm showing you the, what's going to break the stronghold off the body of Christ. Watch closely. Watch. I want you to watch this now. I'm going to give you the solution. And this is what I've been trying to get to. This is the shift that's taking place in the body. It's to find the solution. And the solution is to do God's business. Watch. When Jesus was 12 years old, he left his family. He didn't say anything to his father or his mother. Now you would say, what a delinquent child. They went up to Passover and they were up at Passover and he didn't go back with them. What a rebellious child. And when they were halfway back to getting to Nazareth, they realized that he wasn't with them. They went back to Jerusalem and they searched for him for three days. Now you can imagine if you lost your 12 year old child, Three days, you could imagine how frantic they were trying to find him. Especially since God had told them that he was the Messiah. When they found him, they said, son, we were worried about you. You know, he didn't say, sorry, daddy. You know, he didn't say, my bad. You know what he said? Why did you look for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business. Now watch closely. Can I show you something? This is important. Because we have divorced our assignment from our Christianity. Listen carefully. Because we have divorced our assignment from our Christianity, Christianity has become an experiential religion, an emotive religion, an individual religion, where everybody comes for my breakthrough, my blessing, my promise from God. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is a bunch of people seeking the kingdom of God. And when we find it, we find our breakthrough. When we find it, we find our blessing. You don't have to ask God for a breakthrough. If you do his business, he'll make sure you break through. Oh, 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 come on. I'm talking right. I'm not making this up. If you're engaged in God's business, he'll make sure that you're not sick. He'll make sure that you're not broke. And all these things shall be. I feel like preaching even though I said, God, I was not going to do this anymore. Hard for the leopard to change his spots. So this is why now watch, this is very interesting. This is why if you say to people, there's a blessing for you, get out $50, the line will span around the building. But if you sit down and say, what's your assignment? I don't know. I don't know my assignment. assignment. I'm here for my blessing. I'm here for my word from God. But at 12 years old, Jesus knew the priority. The question I'm going to ask you and I is, do we know the priority? 
This is what all the gifts are about. This is what the capacity is about. This is what the governance is about. This is what the disciplines, the industries, the fields are all about. And guess what? Some people sitting there saying, this is not church. I came here for a word. This is boring. But guess what? How many words are you going to get? How many breakthroughs are you going to get? How many miracles are you going to get? Watch, listen carefully. That's going to change the society. Because with all the breakthroughs, society is still careening out of control. With all the word from God, we haven't changed any laws. Morality is on a downward slope. So maybe the solution is to do the business of God. Can I prove to you in the next 15 minutes that God's kingdom and his work is identical to any business that exists on the planet? And this idea that we're foreign to business must be eliminated from the body of Jesus Christ. Watch closely. Watch. I'm going to take you there and show you. Watch. This is how business is conducted anywhere you go. And I'm sure there's more to this. And that scripture, Luke 16, verse 8, that's the scripture that Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, the children of this world, they are wiser than the children of light. And every time I read that scripture, I'm asking God, are you insulting me? Because you told me that because you live in me, the wisdom of God is in me. How then do you turn around and tell me that those who don't have you are wiser than I? Because they're not trying to make up principles. They're simply executing on existing principles. Watch closely, ladies and gentlemen. Every business has a founder. So I said, well, pastor of the church, of course, the, the church is not founded by the senior pastor. You go to a ministry and you see that they put founder on the wall. They don't understand what they're doing because you don't find something that another man has been building for 2000 years. Jesus is the founder of the church upon this rock. I will build my church the gates of hell, and I will give to you the keys to the kingdom. If he's giving me the keys to a kingdom, he must have authority over that kingdom. But every business has a founder. Watch number two. Every business has a vision. Every business has a vision. The vision asks the question, where are we going? And without a vision, the people perish. So certainly God's work must have a vision. If he's the one telling me that without a vision, people perish. He goes on to tell me later on the book of Habakkuk that I should write the vision and make it plain. Watch. Every business must have a mission. The mission tells you why the business exists. Watch. And the problem that the business has been established to solve. Did you hear that? So the business knows what the problem is that they're trying to solve. And part of doing good business is watching the solution unfold as you do business. Oh, so, so watch. If the ministry of Jesus Christ has a mission, watch, to destroy the works of the devil, then we should be able to quantify the destruction of the works of the devil. For this cause was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Every business has values. That's what the business stands upon, what the business holds to. If you want the values of the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the merciful, value number one. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, value number two. And it goes on and on and on. Every business has values, and they hold to those values. Watch. We're going to go a little further. Every business must be structured. Who's, who reports to who? Who does what? How is this business governed? That's why all things must be done decently. And in order, every business has governance and structure. Every business has a culture. Watch. The culture of the kingdom of God is not Jamaican. It's not African. It's not Canadian. It's called the fruit of the spirit. Anytime you go someplace and you see people leaning to their ethnicity, they don't understand the culture of the kingdom of God. For the culture is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance. All these can create the culture, the environment, or the ethos of the kingdom of God. And guess what? When that culture is in operation, it attracts people from every nation. We struggle sometimes in the body of Christ because the reality is, if you put all of us together, you realize, wait a minute, this is a Jamaican ministry. No, no, this is a Nigerian ministry. No, no, this is a Scottish ministry. And all of a sudden, all of the problems of Jamaican culture manifest in the church. All of the problems of Ghanaian culture manifest in the church. But the culture of the kingdom of God is in fact the culture of heaven. And when you operate that culture, all of a sudden you get heaven earth every business has a culture and ethos let's go a little further i got a job now watch every business has workers these workers are not i told you last week and i'm going to tell you again workers in the kingdom of god are not people that put up their hand and say use me lord workers are people who are qualified for the role that they're working in so the good man goes out early in the morning, hires laborers or workers. But he does that according to their abilities, their giftings, their talents. Every business has workers. Law firms hire lawyers, clerks, and accountants. Law firms don't hire dentists. Would I be right if I said that? Yeah. So it is with God. Watch. Every business this is going to shock you. Every business must know its products. What are we selling? What are we offering? What service are we providing? If you ask people in the church, what are we selling? They say, we don't sell anything. That's why we don't package anything. Because we don't believe we're selling anything. I want to talk to somebody. Can I tell you what the church sells? The church sells guilt. That's why, watch, because we don't package our product and prepare it for consumption, we then beg people to give. And when they don't give, we play guilt on them. God's going to curse you. God's going to curse you. You're going to hell if you don't give. You don't walk by the gap and they say, if you don't come in here, you're cursed with a curse. They package their product. They sell it to you. We're supposed to package life and sell it to people because we don't know that we're in a business we spend no time packaging our product getting it ready and then we ask people this is interesting because you know why giving goes down in certain places because people have a hard time giving to some stuff that they're getting 
But you do the same thing when you try to put your money out there and you say, I don't like this product. You don't buy it. The same psychology is going on in your head. You just don't realize it. But when you're part of something that's moving, changing the world, all of a sudden you feel like it's nothing to give. I haven't even gone to the reality that the church should actually be selling a lot of her services. I, oh my God. An arrow flew from the back this way when I said that. That's why I ducked. Watch, every business has a catchment. This one, who is our market? To whom are we servicing and selling? Can I show you that at this stage, the body of Christ has a global market? Go ye into all the world. Package the gospel and give people abundant life in different products and services. That's our catchment. Some years ago, I'm going to go quickly, we were talking to the city about doing retail here. And they said, you can't really do retail on the size you want to do, Pastor, because you're in Yorkdale's catchment. I hadn't heard, even heard the word catchment. I said, well, you mean Yorkdale's going to catch us? <laughs> I had to go read a dictionary. It's all catchment. Oh, market area. Gotcha. Business must be profitable. What are the earnings after expenses? God wants his business to be profitable. That's why he told the other guy, he said, why didn't you put my money in the bank so that when I come back, I'd have some earnings on my investment? It's not JP Morgan alone that wants profits and dividends. God wants profit on his investment. That's why he's poured everything into you, including his son, so that he might have a return on all that he has invested. God wants to be profitable in the earth. Then you can answer the question, do more people go to heaven than hell? Is that profit? Watch this one. Business compensates its workers. This is how the people in the business are rewarded. Give me one second, David. I'm coming. And lastly, business must be sustainable. It's got to last. Someone opens, opens a ministry and it's finished in three years. That's not God. He says, occupy. Watch, watch sustainability. Until I come. And just don't stay at that level. Grow and excel until I come. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to go very fast to get this done. If the work of God is a business, and it is, do we know our competition? Here's what I've seen over the years. People then begin to think that churches, or can I say this proper term, ministries compete against ministries. That's not our competition. First Baptist is not in competition with Second Baptist. That's not our competition. That's ourselves. Watch closely, watch. Our competitors are the major influencers of the disciplines of this world. Everyone is vying for influence. And those who are successful in the area of influence become the leaders of the world. Ask your children about influence and they'll tell you. Everyone is vying for influence. Even God seeks to have influence over people. That's why people follow. That's why people buy products. I was sitting there for, for years with my Blackberry. And everybody that came and saw my Blackberry laughed at me. They said, why well, you still got a Blackberry? I said, I like the keyboard. I got a blackberry. And everybody was being influenced by Apple. 
until I got an iPhone. Influencers lead the world. And when you understand that, watch, their mindsets, their business practices, that's our baseline. That's a minimum standard because the Bible teaches that we should be 10 times better than our contemporaries. I hope I'm challenging someone because I want to challenge the church. I want to challenge the church. Watch this. I'm almost through. Our competition is like this. Kingdom against kingdom. Matthew 24, verse 7. And when we operate like this, you will see that in the end, the kingdom of God rises above all. No, not the church. The kingdom of God rises above all. When we operate the way we're supposed to operate, with the understanding that we're supposed to operate with. Here's our commitment. I need everyone. It says, Pastor, I want to walk with you in this ministry. Well, I've been doing this for 20 years with about 20 years of mistakes, but I'm not going to make this mistake. We're not trying to have a good church service. That's not the call on my life. I can't speak for anyone else. My call is not to show you how to have a good church service. My call, watch, it's to break watch the stronghold. It took me some time to get there where we start thinking that church is time and place. It's not. Church is not time and place. This is not church. You are the church. When you go to Danforth, when you go to St. Clair, Brampton, Mississauga, the church is going there. This is 49 Carl Hall Road, Downsview Park. It's a building. It's not time and place. Church is not 11 o'clock. That's when the church gathers to worship collectively. This is not church. You are the church. And I need you to understand that. I know the power of language. And we're not careful. We're loose with our, our words. But this is not church. Watch closely. We need to stop doing church. Because you can't do yourself. And we need to start doing business. We need to stop talking about who sings the best. and who, who cares? Because that's what the devil says. Who cares? We need to start doing business. Watch lastly. We need to see ourselves as people fully engaged in the business of God. Take the time to understand how does this work? How do I engage in the business of God in what I'm currently doing? I'm going to show you by the things we're doing here how to structure and set this thing up, watch, unapologetically as God's business. Then you will see how the world will come to consume the greatest product that's ever been released on the planet, the Son of God. For God so loved the world that He gave us a product that everyone could consume. There's no one that can't consume this product. And he that believeth, if you package him right, present him right, put him forth properly, shall not be condemned, but shall have everlasting life. Would you rise on your feet? I'm about three minutes behind. Team, would you come quickly? I have, I have two more messages, and then from here on in, everything I'm going to teach you, it's about how we do this thing properly. I'm talking right now to the city of Toronto. 
We're having a conversation about how do we offset the issues in affordable housing and social services. And I didn't tell the mayor's office that we're here praying up a storm. I had to put together a proposal of how we're going to provide services, trained individuals, and people that can meet the challenges that are over there. Because we're in the business of God. And when somebody saw the beginning of the proposal, they said, this is good. I said, no, it's the gospel in action. So that when people experience, you see, what we don't understand, I'm sorry, guys. What we don't understand is we are the best people to do business. Because when people meet us, they meet God. You're the best person to be a social worker. You're the best person to manage an affordable housing unit. You're the best person to be a teacher. Because they encounter God. Ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. A city. Lift your hands with me. I'm going to run off the altar. Stay with me just for a few more weeks. I'm going to show you where God wants us to go. Then you'll understand why the fight. Pastor Meekless made tons of mistakes. And for those, he's sorry. But if some of this stuff that the devil's trying to kill me for is because of what God has taught me and showed me. That, that watch, that the enemy does not want you to hear and embrace. He wants you to keep shouting and singing and dancing and tell yourself, that's all there is to this thing, singing to glory. And God says, no, you have an assignment. I, we must be about our father's business. Say amen if you believe that.